Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrivebytes. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you today. Her name is Dr. Michelle Dang. Say hi to everyone, Michelle. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, for those of you who do not know who she is, um, she is a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician. And what's interesting about her is uh, she's also studied uh, Legras Fitness. It's it's pronounced Legras, right? It's Legree. Legree. But that's a fancy way of saying it. So you can say it however <laughs> you want to say it. <laughs> Legree. She's, uh, uh, she's, uh, pra- she's practicing Legree Fitness and Restorative Yoga. Um, actually, extensive um, uh, certifications in yoga. She's uh, been a avid yogi since 2012. And uh, she's looking for and have uh, been able to find integrative and alternative ways to be able to help her patients in terms of pain. Um, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Where are you calling from? Um, I'm actually from Houston, Texas. So calling from Houston. Nice. What's the weather like over there right now? Uh, it's very erratic. It's in the forties and very windy today. Yesterday it was beautiful seventies and sunny. I'm sure it's going to rain tomorrow and then also be cold this weekend. So all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. Um, Well, first question to you is, um, I love uh, people, my guess is stories and how they arrive from point A to point B. And specifically for you, what I find unique about your journey is that, you know, you have looked other ways, you know, in terms of improving not just pain, but your patient's health and wellness. Um, you obviously are role modeling that very, very well. Um, your Instagram page is just beautiful. And uh, I love how you, you know, incorporate these short clips of you working out and just having a fun time. And I love to hear more about what inspired you to get onto this life path of yours. Uh, it kind of is a complicated story. So, I basically, as you mentioned, um, went through my training, did anesthesia, then did a pain management fellowship with the thought process that I really wanted to be in the clinic. I really wanted to do procedures and help people. And uh, along the way, when I started my practice about eight and a half years or or so ago, whenever I completed my fellowship, um, I was thrust into this world of private practice where the expectation was about making money. you know, writing medications, doing all these procedures. And um, I kept noticing that my patients were really not feeling a whole lot better. And along the way, um, I was going through some personal um, issues in my life and I found yoga. And I found that 
practicing yoga helped me um, immensely, not only physically, but spiritually. And so that was how I discovered integrative medicine. Um, And so from there, I did an integrative medicine fellowship and tried to incorporate um, integrative medicine, which is all about mind-body therapies, movement therapies, in addition to traditional medicine in order to help people feel better. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, it's a very, very, in, not just innovative, but it's a very clever way to, you know, being able to look at the person as a whole, you know, right. um, you know, as an osteopath, as a DO, you know, we were trained to look at the person holistically, you know, from right. top to bottom, from outside to in. And uh, integrative medicine, um, pretty much, uh, you know, Andrew Wow, you know, kind of is the forefather of that. Um, and I know he has his, uh, I mean, he's known globally, but I know right. he's had uh, his center in Arizona. Um, but he does that, but just on very, very different kinds of modalities. Um, in terms of yourself, you know, in terms of your upbringing, like what? what led you into medicine? Let's go back a little bit. And, you know, what led you into medicine and how did you decide to go towards pain? Well, so what led me to medicine, I actually wrote about this on a recent blog post of mine. And it's kind of funny just because being Asian and you're Asian American yourself, um, it was part of my DNA, right? I mean, like growing up, you have Asian parents who are like, you're either a doctor or a lawyer and that's it. (laughs) And so my entire, um, my entire extended family and, you know, my parents are, they're all in the healthcare field. So it was sort of like, it was expected for me to be somewhere in the healthcare industry. And so, um, you know, by nature, I was, I was better in science and, you know, somewhat in math or whatever. And um, so, I mean, medicine, I essentially already knew I was going to do something in the, in the medicine arena. Um, But as far as going into pain management, it was one of those things where, um, I mean, I I completed my anesthesia residency. I liked being in the OR, but um, I really missed actually being in the clinic and seeing patients and making a difference. And so that's kind of how I came about with pain management. But to answer your question and and how I um, incorporated the integrative medicine aspect of it was I actually didn't grow up. doing any type of physical activity. Like it was all about studying <laughs> and making good grades. And so fitness and health and wellness was um, foreign to my family. And um, so it, you're laughing because you, it's probably true. Like, I think no, things are true. different. Right. Exactly. And I think now, um, you know, I'm stressing for my, my son to be more active because that wasn't really part of my childhood growing up. Um, so it really wasn't until, really after medical school, even after residency, that I actually started um, taking more importance uh, with self-care and um, health and wellness and fitness. Right, right. And uh, I definitely want to talk about that in a little bit, but I, I, I totally, I totally resonate. Um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, saw the new, uh, recently new uh, Netflix comedy special with uh, Ronnie Chang. Um, if you haven't, you you need to. Um, but there's a short bit. He's a co-anchor of uh, the Trevor Noah show for comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, his comedy show um, for news. And um, he's also in Crazy Rich Asians. But his bit was that, you know, he's talking about the exact same thing, how, you know, Asians want the American, like traditional Asian parents want you to be either in the medicine or a lawyer or a, you know, engineer. And when they talk about being a health professional, what's funny is that he was joking how 
helping people was the last reason on the list to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, and, and I'm sure my non-Asian, you know, audience members are going to be like, what? <laughs> uh, but it's true because, you know, it's really about, you know, for, especially for traditional, you know, uh, Asian parents, and especially when they immigrate to the States, it's the American dream. They want to have their children, you know, with uh, better opportunities than they, than they did. And, you know, very similar amongst other immigrants. And um, being a physician is really about, you know, having more opportunities. And, you know, it was more about like prestige and, you know, status and things like that. And yes. one of the things I <laughs> joked about how them themselves like the asian parents would be the last ones to visit a doctor <laughs> right right but right. it's about bringing that honor to your family and you know you have a, a child who is a physician it's it's a great honor right right, right. exactly exactly yeah. it's not a really about helping people so but rest <laughs> assured audience members you know we are actually here to help people yes for sure <laughs> yeah definitely um, yeah. So, so growing up, you said you didn't really touch too much about fitness and athletics and stuff like that. And I love to hear about, you know, Legree, not Legras. <laughs> like, what, what is that? What is that? Um, you know, how did that come into your life? And how, is, are, how are you incorporating that, you know, um, to others? Or is it that is that just a personal thing? So I started practicing Legree Fitness maybe about three or four years ago. And um, just to give a little background, um, I started my yoga practice, um, practicing yoga um, about the year 2012 or so. And after that, I ended up doing my yoga teacher training um, in the year 2014 and um, did my restorative yoga certification the year after with Melissa Smith, who is amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, so the whole thought process behind doing the yoga teacher training was not only for my own personal spiritual growth, but also to be able to bring that to my patients. And so in the clinic, I do talk to my patients about certain yoga poses and um, the different types of yoga that they could do that may be helpful for them. Um, so I still practice yoga, but then I wanted something a little bit more intense. And so that's how I found uh, Legree Fitness. And so Legree Fitness was de developed by a man named Sebastian Legree, who is French. <laughs> and um, so the um, the whole idea is that it's um, a high intense, low impact workout on a machine called the Megaformer. So if you know or don't know, um, it's similar to a machine called a Reformer machine, which is for Pilates, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of differences. So it's not Pilates, it's Legree. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a weighted machine. Um, so they have different springs and um, depending on the type of spring, it's different weights. And so you basically hold a pose under constant tension. And the whole idea is you want to work your muscles to fatigue. And it's a very intense workout for 45 minutes. And so I started doing that maybe about three years or so ago. And um, I had the opportunity to do um, to participate or get certified to teach Legree Fitness um, about a year and a half ago and or a year or so ago. And so I started teaching that on the weekends. So I teach it on Sundays at my, one of my home studios here in Houston. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. Is, uh, and this is like a national thing, a global thing. It's all over the world. I mean, there's a lot. The The main studio is based in California, but I think they opened, they have some studios um, in 
they have one in Paris, they have one in somewhere in Asia, a couple studios in Asia. So they're all over. Uh, but like I said, the main studio uh, is in California. California and Los Angeles or San Francisco? Uh, I think Los Angeles. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to go check it out. You need to try a class. <laughs> Tell me how you like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they have class pass now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so that's awesome. Um, because pain is a very, um, as you can probably say, it's a very complex, uh, you know, just not only specialty, but field and profession. And there's not one way to approach pain, especially pain management, right? Right. And a lot of people, you know, just kind of, um, you know, being a, being a family practitioner, you know, chronic pain is a huge thing. And obviously our narcotic epidemic, the opiate epidemic, um, you know, benzodiazepines, you know, things like that is a huge issue. So I'm really happy. Um, and I applaud you for looking at different ways, more holistic and more, you know, um, natural, you know, ways to be able to, you know, incorporate into your practice to be able to care for others. So, you know, I really appreciate, you know, what you do. Thank you. Yeah. And Um, to speak to that, it is a little bit of everything, right? I mean, I was at a conference last weekend and I spoke about integrative medicine, but there are other amazing speakers there. And I think we're all kind of on the same page in the sense of we're not trying to say that we don't want to prescribe opioids or medications to help with people who have chronic pain. There is indications for it. That's why they're there. But it is about a little bit of everything. um, And all that can contribute to um, helping people feel a little bit better. um, Because chronic pain or pain in general is such a subjective thing. And there's so many components that can contribute to a person's feeling of having pain. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Right, right, right. Can you give, um, you know, a couple of the audience members, um, maybe, you know, two or three common misconceptions about pain and in terms of, you know, how you would uh, approach it in terms of where you would go? Um, so, I mean, I guess one of the most common misconceptions in general, when it comes to just say people who go to the doctor and, um, because of pain. Um, one misconception is that the doctors don't want to listen to us or they want us to suffer. I get that a lot. Um, whenever I'm trying to tell people that there are other ways to manage their pain, um, one of the things that I get a lot is, well, you just don't get it. You just don't understand. You just don't want me to suffer. And I think that's a misconception for people in general. It's not that me as a physician, it's not that I'm afraid of treating the pain. It's just that I, I feel that there are better ways or other ways that we can work together as a unit, like as a patient and a provider in order to help manage the pain. So that's probably the number one thing that I get. Um, I can't really think of another. That's like the main one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's a very subjective thing, right? So 
you know, it, you're you're having one person compared to another, and every and everyone's it's a very individual experience. And you know, not only do you have pain on the physical level, but you also have pain on the emotional, mental level. And you know, it's a very complex integration and synergy. Right. You know, uh, uh, that reinforces each other. So it's not it's not a straightforward thing. It's not a you know straightforward you know silver bullet. You know, let me just give some medications or procedures or anything like that. There's, um, there's a lot of healthier options. And, um, and I think that's what you're bringing. Um, going back to the fitness and the yoga teaching, what have you found over time, um, that you have incorporated, uh, you know, with your patient and your patient care that, that, that the feedback that they've given you in terms of how it's helped. Um, well, I think the main thing, whenever I do, and it, and the thing, what the thing about that is that, I have to, well, you have to find the right patient, the person who is ready to make that next step, whether it's doing a yoga class or going to the gym or whatever it is. Um, and I think the ones who are open to it and are ready to make that change in their life, because it is a lifestyle change. Um, those pe- those people, when they come back to see me, they just, um, by and far, just overall feel so much better. And the thing is, when it comes to chronic pain, um, it's, it's a chronic thing. So on some level, you're going to have chronic, you're going to have pain. Um, you know, the whole goal that I tell my patients is that the hope is that you'll have more good days than bad days. And so, um, you know, some of those patients will come back and they say, well, you know, I still have this pain, but it's not limiting me. Um, I actually have a patient and we have to look him up. He's, he, he would love for me to give a shout out to him. So he has my permission. I mean, I have, yeah, um, uh, I have his permission, but, um, so he is like 80 years old doing ultra marathons and he's had, um, you know, a couple back surgeries and he has chronic pain and he lives with it, but that doesn't stop him. Like he did, I think recently a 72 hour race at like 80 something years old. He's amazing. And I tell him all the time, whenever I do see him, that he's such an inspiration. And I ask him if I can share his story and he loves it. (laughs) And, um, but yeah, I mean, like there are people like him and many of my other patients who still have chronic pain, but it's not limiting them because they continue to move their body. Um, I actually, when you said that, you know, one of your patients, I was thinking of a patient that I recently, uh, just saw, um, brand new to me, um, not going to give names, but he's originally from Guatemala and, um, you know, his back pain journey was, you know, incredible, um, from, you know, his accounts and, you know, he, uh, suffered an accident, um, and since then has gone through, you know, surgeries and different kinds of like modalities. And he still lives with extreme chronic pain. And, um, you know, for him, um, modern medicine hasn't been able to, you know, kind of help him in a way. And so he doesn't really, he came to me just to establish care Uh and he didn't want to do anything else with the back. He didn't even want to bring it, bring it, you know, he didn't even want to talk about it. And so I'm very, um, I, I, I'm always ready to be able to help him in different ways, but because it's, uh, it's hit him on a very, emotional level Mm -hmm. like he gets he he tells me that um he gets angry really quickly Mm -hmm. um and you know i don't doubt him you know he's he's turning in his chair certain ways he's holding certain positions and you could tell he's just very uncomfortable and i'm just trying to put myself in his shoes on you know how i would be able to go through the day-to-day and it is inspiring that you're talking about someone older than him he's probably maybe 30 years older the the patient you're referring to that's doing ultra marathon 
marathons. Um, so that's that's very, very inspiring. So And to speak to um, that, I mean, that's the importance of something like cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, there is such a huge emotional component to pain that, I mean, in your patient, I think would benefit greatly from some sort of like mind-body type of therapy or mindfulness-based stress reduction type of therapy if it's available. Right, right. And, um, you know, like you said, everybody's different in terms of how they approach it and whether they're ready or not, you know what I'm saying? Because once they go through the the ringer that I call, you know, the healthcare system, it's uh, sometimes they benefit from it, sometimes they don't. And so they have their own individual individual experience and sometimes they're just not ready. Right. So, and I think that, you know, you, me, other healthcare providers that's listening in and, you know, that are out there, you know, we need to continue to offer different, you know, solutions um, and, you know, and, and complement it and integrate it, you know, as you have done uh, within your practice. Um, right. And something that I tell, so sorry I, to interrupt, but um, I just want to say real yeah, fast, um, something that I tell people or, you know, healthcare providers or physicians who ask me, how do you even get started having that conversation with a, with a patient? I tell them sometimes it, it does take patience, you know, like patience with a CE, <laughs> you know, on, on your part, because that patient may not be ready and they may not be ready for a long time. But I think that we should um, be there for them whenever they are ready and just keep asking them. I mean, not be annoying about it every visit, but just, you know, ask them the same thing with like trying to get a patient to quit smoking or lose some weight. Like they have to, they have to emotionally be there. And so I think, um, you know, in this day and age, sometimes it's hard for us as physicians or healthcare providers to not try to rush through a visit and to get to the next visit because you're trying to see as many patients as you can can and dealing with all these insurance issues and so on. And that's, that unfortunately isn't going to go away anytime soon. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's being patient yourself and being patient with the patient um, is, is paramount. And, um, you know, patients do understand that the healthcare setting is very fast paced. um, And we would like to kind of emphasize that, you know, I would say for the majority, you know, um, I don't want to generalize, but I would say for the majority, we would love to take our time, you know, with individual, you know, patients, you yes. know, we would love to kind of sit down, learn more, care for them more, have more time to listen and, and have more time to, you know, let them know that, you know, we don't want to rush, you know, to the next visit. We don't want to rush to the operating room and just leave you hanging. It's that, that's not, you know, that's not what we, you know, signed up to do, but that's just the nature of the beast, you know? So, um, so I love the fact that, you know, going more into the fitness and engaging other members of the community with fitness, how important is this? You know, why is this important? And, you know, what, what do you, what do you, what do you see on versus an individual level versus like the pros and cons of engaging in fitness, whether it's, you know, relation to pain and engaging in fitness in terms of like in the community setting, like what are the pros and cons to that? And, you know, why and how is that important? Well, um, personally for me, the reason why I teach fitness, the reason why I try to get other women in the community involved or my family, my friends involved with all this fitness is because, um, I think it's so important. And for me, it gives me a balance because, you know, I work, my full-time job is as a pain management physician, but, um, I get really burnt out if I don't have anything to balance me and fitness 
balances me. And I love the joy that I can bring when to my friends whenever I challenge them in a class and they're dying of sweat. And afterwards, they're just like, oh my God, that was so awful, but we love you. You know, I mean, that just like inspires me so much. And so I, I want to be a source of inspiration for others because I feel like I'm pretty normal. I'm not like, you know, I don't have a 12 pack or anything like that. Nowhere clothes, you know, I'm not super <laughs> cut or anything. Um, but I mean, I feel good and I feel happy whenever I do work out. And I love it whenever, you know, my husband goes for a run or my friends come to my classes. I make my husband come to my class. I make, we make our son like go run <laughs> and go mountain biking. I mean, I think that is so important and I want to teach that to my, my kids. And, um, cause I, like I said earlier, I didn't really have that growing up. And even now, you know, every time I tell my parents I'm going to go work out, they're just like, okay. <laughs> like, like, I mean, they, they're a little bit more active now, more so than when I was a child, you know, they go walking on the treadmill and that sort of thing. My mom has a little stationary bike that she uses and she's very happy about that. But at the same time, you know, when I tell them I'm going to go teach or I'm going to go do this, um, they just kind of give me this almost like, look like, okay, it just seems like a waste of time, you know? So, I mean, I want to teach my kids, um, you know, healthy, um, a healthy lifestyle. And I want to bring that to my friends and and family and to the community as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. Um, I think, I think one of the points I wanted to make was when you're engaging in, you know, fitness, um, whether it's personally or you're with the community, I think on the individual levels, um, you know, you can work out on your own, Mm -hmm. right? You could do that at home. You could, you know, um, and what I find, I'm not a big fan of gyms, Mm -hmm. you know, with like machines and things like that. I, I've always felt like I was just born outdoors and, you know, I have a huge affinity to water, you know, I scuba dive, I do triathlon. So I love being outdoors. Mm -hmm. Right. And so everyone's different. Right. right? But what I find is that when you are working by yourself versus in a community, you know, I started CrossFit, you know, last year in the middle of the year. And um, what I've noticed with that is that you have a commonality, you know, Mm -hmm of coming together and, you know, everyone's fitness goal is different, but the commonality is that you're trying to improve whether you're bodybuilding, whether you're just toning up, whether you want to keep your heart, you know, your ticker in place, whether you want to, you know, maintain, you know, muscle, prevent atrophy, whatever the case may be, um, you know, you have that commonality. And the thing is, is that you have that shared bond in a community where you're engaging in others. So, I mean, I don't know if you find this or not, but like in terms of your pain, you know, patients, when you, do you teach them individually or you teach, you teach them in a class, right? No. So, um, so when I, so it's two separate things. So I teach at the studio, I teach for the, you know, the community, um, and for my pain patients, I don't necessarily teach them, um, just because I, I keep them kind of separate. So, I mean, I do, I do have studios that I will refer my patients to, but I currently don't teach any yoga at this time. Um, but I will, you know, if I have the patients who are into yoga or who do take yoga classes, I'll tell them different moves that they can do different asanas that can um, help improve their back pain. So it's it's just two Mm -hmm. separate things. Yeah. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. 
I would I would imagine if you are able to insert, and maybe this might be a uh, a future venture for you, but if you're able to insert, you know, pain patients in a classroom together and have them work together as a group, mm-hmm. um, I think they will be less alone, so to speak. Right. Um, I used to work at uh, the VA when I was doing my locum tenants or traveling physician job, and I worked in the VA and. You know, I've probably seen every, almost every veteran from every war. And uh, I, I, there was this one particular patient that stuck out to me. And he was, you know, having chronic pain, chronic back pain, uh, shoulder, neck. Um, And uh, he was talking about, similar to you were talking about before, how he really, you know, at times he just didn't want to live. Um, and at times, um, he would just find it difficult. You know, he didn't really have any family. He had a dog, he lives in a trailer home. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of heard his story Mm -hmm. and instead of rushing him off, like, you know, you know, some doctors would, because people are just hurting and just complaining about pain. Um, I was able to, you know, kind of maintain him on a very, very, very low strength, um, pain medication, you know, just so he could function better. Right. right? And I'm sure you can relate to this where he can just, you know, able, you know, just able to kind of get up and, you know, do an exercise routine and whatnot. And he actually does do his own version of yoga and calisthenics in the morning. And he, I remember distinctively that, um, he wrote me a letter. He actually hand wrote this. People Um, do that these days. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, Um, and, uh, I actually, um, I actually put that. I actually put that story in my book, um, uh, and he he wrote that there were so many, so many days that I, you know, was not going to live. And the fact that you sat down and listened, and um, you know, just heard my cries for help, that I really, you know, I just he wrote saying that he wanted to thank me, and so. You know, to add to what you do, I can only imagine because, you know, that's your life's work, right? You're just constantly, um, you know, just uh, inundated sometimes, right. you know, um, you know with, with people's stories and stuff. So I guess a, 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 a question uh, off of this is how do you keep yourself, um, I don't know if sane is the correct <laughs> word, uh, but how do you keep yourself like level? Um, in terms of you know these stories, because because I can I can relate on how certain stories could just pull you and you know pull you down and like you know and if you're not careful, it's like you just be sucked into like a rabbit's hole. You know? Yeah, and definitely there are days where I am so emotionally drained, especially if I've had a super long clinic day and every patient has just been very emotionally draining or upset with me because I haven't fixed them or cured them or rid them of pain. Um, So it does get to be a lot. And I think that's why um, fitness is so important to me. um, Because I think without that, I probably would have left medicine. (laughs) And I laugh, but it's true. Um, You know, it's Yeah. Um, The time that I found yoga, like I mentioned before, I had a lot going on in my life. But I also once I started practicing regularly, I was working in a hospital based system and very burnt out just because at that time I was seeing patients in the hospital as well as in my clinic and I had no balance. And so um, to me, 
after a day of work or, you know, on the weekends when I would practice yoga, that was when, you know, to speak to what you're saying before about the community, that was when I would find that that was my home. I had a home yoga studio at that time um, or a home studio where I went all the time. I had a community there. I had friends, yoga friends there who became my real life friends, you know, Um, that was my home. And that was where um, I de-stressed. And I, you know, there were times when I was so wound up inside because of everything that was going on and because of my work that in Shavasana where we lay in our corpse pose at the end of the the yoga um, class I would lay there and I'd want to cry and so that's not an uncommon thing by the way Um, just having that emotional release in Shavasana Um, so yeah I mean that was that's really how I found my balance is through health uh, through fitness and through finding that community outside of work um, outside of my family as well. What are some um, what are some common uh, you know fitness misconceptions you would say that you would get a lot you know you being a teacher yourself um, you know it could either it, it doesn't have to be in you know three or uh, yoga's you know more commonly uh, I don't know if it's more commonly practiced but yoga is more um, you know people do yoga a lot um, what are some common misconceptions that uh, people come up to you or, you know, that you come across the number one thing. And I'm laughing because I hear it all the time that I'm in, too inflexible. So I can't do yoga or same thing for Legree. I, um, you know, I never do Pilates. I have a weak core. Therefore I should not do Legree or Pilates. I mean, those are the reasons why you should. <laughs> so that is the number one thing is I'm too inflexible. So I just won't even try. Right. Or the other thing, especially with yoga is that yoga is too boring. I have never personally taken a yoga class that I felt was boring. There are always so many different types of yoga styles. So if like a slow flow or a Hatha flow is too boring, definitely try something really high intense, hot, heated Baptiste flow or some sort of flow is going to be super hard and fast. So those are probably the two main ones, inflexible and um, boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've done yoga um, sporadically over the years, which I definitely want to get more of, uh, especially evening, evening out my cross training. Um, But yeah, I've never been in a yoga class where you're not, you know, uh, I don't know how you can be bored because you're engaged, right? right? Um, And uh, you're constantly need to move your body in so many positions that sometimes you don't even know, you you know, it could be possible you can move, you know, your body in those positions. Um, So yeah, I'm kind of flabbergasted in terms of, uh, you know, how it can be boring. So So that means after this, you're going to do a yoga class and a Ligree class, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. Or maybe you can actually just guest teach, you know, come over here and guest teach, you know, here in Los Angeles. That'd be awesome. We love LA. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll come, uh, I'll come uh, gather some people and, uh, you know, be like, hey, Michelle's coming down. So that'd be awesome. I, I definitely want to close out. Uh, I think it, this has been great. Um, I personally love listening to how um, my guests thrive. And obviously we've heard your story. We, you know, learned about the ins and outs. Um, I want to learn, you know, other ways, how else you personally thrive on an individual level, whether, you know, like what gets you up in the morning, what pushes you, you know, to keep, you know, going, what fuels that fire. And um, I actually would love for you to speak after um, you're done with that to give kind of, a few tips um, in terms of finding balance, because you talked about, 
you know, why you started yoga or around that time where, you know, you didn't have that balance. And I think that's very, very important um, nowadays in our society because we just love to be busy. We just love to be busy. I don't know if we're actually productive, but we just love to be yeah. busy. And, um, you know, I would love for you to speak on that and give some tips for the audience members. So to, to answer your question about what keeps me going or what gets me going, I mean, definitely having a family and having people depend on you and rely on you is what keeps me going. <laughs> I have a 10 and a half year old. He's going to be 11. And actually I told him, uh, this morning when I was taking him to school that I was going to do a podcast and I told him about another podcast I was doing. And he was so excited when he, when I told, well, I told him in my previous podcast that I had kind of mentioned having a kid or whatever. And so he was like, I want to hear where you mentioned me. And, um, you know, I don't know exactly where in the podcast I mentioned him. So he, he would be, he would be thrilled to hear. And his name is Colin too, which we talked about earlier. So, uh, uh, and uh, so Colin. Colin, hi, Colin. <laughs> hi, Colin. How you doing? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, So Colin, he's, he's turning 11. He's starting a middle school this fall. Um, So that'll be a big transition. So having a kid and having a family, my husband is amazing. He's a big supporter of me. Um, So having them on my side really keeps me going and gets me inspired to try to find other things that I can do that, um, you know, that I'm passionate about. And so fitness and health and wellness, um, they're all definitely things that I'm passionate about. But also, like I mentioned earlier, helps to balance me. Um, so, I mean, this applies to anyone, not just people in the healthcare field. Um, it's it's having finding the right thing for you and starting one step at a time. You know, for me, it wasn't like I just all of a sudden one day went from not doing any type of fitness related thing to doing yoga and Legree and Pilates and all the stuff that I do. It was a process for me and finding the things that worked for me. Like, you know, you said you did CrossFit. So, I mean, it was kind of like exploring those options and seeing what works best for you, what you enjoy, what you're passionate about, because you're not going to keep up with things that you're not passionate about doing. You know, like I don't really like running. And so that's one of those things where, I mean, I do run but I hate doing it. So that fall, that's like, I fall off the wagon with that all the time, even though I know that it's good for me and so on. So I'm not really super passionate about that aspect, but there are other things related to fitness that I'm passionate about. And I explore that and I do a little bit of everything. So my advice is, you know, find something that you think that you may like, or you want to try and just give it a try. I mean, it may not be it may be one of those things where you have to kind of try a couple times before you discover that you really like it and you're passionate about. But I mean, don't overload yourself because then that gets your balance all out of whack as well, you know? And so, I mean, that's what I tell my patients too, the ones who are um, very sedentary, who don't do any type of activity. activity. I've always been taught by one of my attendings um, in fellowship just to tell them to do a little bit of a little bit at a time. And so work your way up. So if it's just from your house, the door of their house to your mailbox, if that's all that you can do, then do that and then do a little bit more the next day. So it's kind of like that um, with, you know, fitness related or whatever it is, cooking or, I mean, it could be, it could, it could apply to anything in your life. Right, right. And a great, one of my favorite quotes about, um, you know, from, from uh, Tony Robbins is the key or the secret to happiness is progress. Right. 
And um, it's really, you know, and we've talked about this um, on another episode with another guest. Um, it's really about, it's not really about seeking perfection. Um, you know, society and how everything is portrayed in our world, um, it's its a huge impact. It's a huge influence and affects our, you know, daily routines, how we think about things, but it's not everything, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's not about perfection. It's not seeking that. It's really about optimizing and being the best version of yourself. And I know that sounds, um, you know, more of a cliche, but it's Mm -hmm. true. You know, what we're, what we're emphasizing is just small steps, making that progress, be better than yesterday, you know, be better than, you know, five minutes ago, you know, and you can change all these things, different things in a moment of time. So it's, um, I, I love it. You know, thank you for sharing that. Um, for our audience members that want to learn more about you or, um, you know, want to look you up, where can they find you? So I'm pretty active on social media. I have a website. It's michelledangmd.com. And I post, um, I post blogs and different things um, on my website. But I am also pretty active on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is the same. It's michelledangmd. And so I love getting comments from people, especially people who have heard me talk or, you know, listen to me speak, um, sending me messages. It's always nice to know that um, something that you said made an impact. Um, I'm also, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned this to you previously, I'm putting together our very first women's health conference in May mm-hmm. um, in Houston. So it's called Wishwell, and I'm super excited about it. I have two other amazing women helping me plan it, Dr. Heather Colmenter and Emmeline Stout. And so the, the conference is Wishwell. So it stands for Women's Integrative Summit on Health and Wellness. And it's our first event. So we're super excited. It's going to be May uh, 16th, 2020 in Houston. And we coincided it with Women's Health Week. And so we have some speakers lined up and we're still in the planning process, but it's our first event. So we're super excited about it. So um, we, we do have an Instagram page for that as well. It's wishwell.health. Um, but all those other ways you can contact me, like I said, I love getting um, comments from people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll definitely uh, send a link out uh, to the show notes. Um, and uh, when in May is it coming out again? May 16th. May 16th. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for coming onto the show. And uh, I know the audience members will greatly benefit from, you know, your story and your tips of wisdom. So thank you again for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening on. If you enjoy this episode, please follow and subscribe and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Thanks everyone. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.